Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I'm super, super excited that you have joined us again today. We're going to be talking to the founder of Girl Means Business. So girl, we mean business. And it just it's going to be a really, really fun conversation. So I'm actually going to be chatting. She's a former elementary school teacher turned photographer, turned entrepreneur, and she's out there helping women let go of the notion that perfection equals success. Because ladies and gentlemen, for those listening, you don't have to be perfect. Perfect does not equal success. And so she founded a very successful photography business in the Dallas area called Paisley Lane Photography. And then Girl Means Business. And she has a podcast like I do called Girl Means Business, of course, and does a lot of business education with a mission to help women not only to launch their dream business, but to show them all the marketing and social media tips and tools she's learned on her own journey. We sound like we're sisters separated at birth. <laughs> and she really wants you all to know that balancing motherhood and your career is definitely possible and it's achievable. So all you moms out there listening, and if, even if you don't have real kids like me and you have nieces and nephews, we still have to balance that too. So everybody listen up. So Kendra Swalls, welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yay. I'm so excited that you're here. We were having a fun chat before we started to record and I'm super excited to chat with you because we've got a lot in common. Um, but before we jump into the whole entrepreneurship journey, what, what has gotten you to where you are today? Like take us back. Where did you grow up and tell us a little bit about your background? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's episode is being brought to you by GSD Academy, where I personally walk you through my four-step process with personalized videos. I give you downloadable templates and so many resources. So if you're serious about changing your life and your business and you're ready to GSD, that is get shit done, go to bit.ly slash GSD Academy. Absolutely. Sure. So I, I actually grew up in Waco, Texas. So all of you Fixer Upper fans, I was there, the original, I knew Chip and Joanna before they were HGTV stars. 
Um, That's awesome. Yeah. My parents, in fact, the house I grew up in is just like a mile from their original store. And when I would go back home after I went to college, I would go back home and stay with my parents. And my dad would be like, there's this really cute little shop you should go, you and your mom should go to called Magnolia. And we would go over there and like their kids would be out selling produce. It was really fun. So it's, it was been fun to watch them like kind of transform the city. So I grew up there and when I was a kid, I had two things that I really loved looking back. I loved uh, taking pictures. I always had a camera with me. I had, you know, growing up, it was like a disposable or a Polaroid. And I had just photos all over my walls of my friends and my family. My mom had a uh, digital, not digital, a uh, film camera that she would take pictures for fun, like in the garden and around our house. They were big gardeners. They would always take pictures of their flowers and things like that. And so I was always around that. That, that was just part of my growing up, but it was never a career path. It was just a for fun, capturing memories kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I always loved as a kid was I would play school. So I would line up all my stuffed <laughs> animals. I was an only child, so I didn't have siblings to boss around. And so I would line up all my stuffed animals. I'd have like sticker charts and I had a, my, one of my aunts, she managed an apartment complex and there it was near, um, a, a school. And so anytime there were a lot of teachers that would live there for a while, when they would leave that they left behind old textbooks, I would, she would give them to me. So I had like these super outdated high school math and science and history <laughs> textbooks, but I would pretend like I was the teacher with these you know, fancy textbooks and I would teach my stuffed animals. And so ever since I was little, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and I left Waco, went to Dallas, went to Dallas Baptist University and got my bachelor's degree in elementary education and started teaching second grade. And I loved it. My first few years, it was like the job I'd always envisioned. It was so much fun. I loved working with the kids. I loved the team I was on, the other teachers I was with. And I, in that process, kind of discovered that I really loved teaching math to kids. There was something about kind of this, almost like a linear progression to it. You know, you start off learning like your numbers, then you learn, you know, what the numbers mean, what they represent, and then you learn how to add them and then how to subtract them and how to do all these things with them. And it was a really fun kind of puzzle pieces putting together and you could see those light bulb moments. And I just fell in love with that. And so I went back and got my master's degree in curriculum and instruction and wanted to be a math coordinator. I wanted to create curriculum for school districts and teach other teachers how to make math fun. Cause a lot of teachers, for whatever reason, they're not super math minded. Like a lot of teachers really love literature and language arts and history and things like that. And teaching math doesn't come naturally a lot of times to people. And so I wanted to be able to go in and say, here are some ways you can make it really fun for your students. So I landed um, in 2000, let's see, 13. So I had just had my first daughter. She was turning one. I got my dream job basically at the time, which was working for this really amazing small school district um, outside of the Dallas area. And I was going to be their math coordinator slash math specialist. So I was going to be living on the elementary school campus, teaching, oh, wow. like helping, like helping, I mean, not like living, but you know, like yeah. housed <laughs> out of there. Yes. <laughs> um, and um, for anyone who has kids listening, no teachers do not live at your school, um, <laughs> even though you might think so. <laughs> um, but I was going to be on the elementary campus. I'd have an office space. 
I would be able to work with the teachers, you know, pretty directly and work with students that were struggling. But then at the same time, I was creating curriculum for the entire district and getting to kind of live out this dream job that I always thought I wanted. And it was by all accounts, perfect. Like it was a great school. I, it was the best administration team I'd ever worked with. I absolutely loved the teachers I worked with. I love the students. I, it just on paper, it was the job. And however, prior to getting this job, I had started kind of feeling this itch in the classroom. I was like, there's something else. I need to find a creative outlet. I need to do something. My, I was married at the time. My husband had all these hobbies. He's an outdoorsman. So he loves to go out and hunt and fish and work in the yard and do all these things. And I was like, I need something for me. And he was like, well, you're always taking pictures. And so he bought me a really nice DSLR camera for Christmas one year. And he was like, you know, learn how to take photos like professionally. And maybe you can like earn a little side money and take them for, you know, family and friends that we know. So I started doing that and it, yeah. And it was a really fun you know, I've had people ask me before, they were like, well, you were teaching full time, then you'd come home and you would do photography on the side. Like, how did you have the energy for that? And I, my answer that's always been, it never felt like a job. Like the photography part of it never felt like I was coming home and doing a second job. It was coming home and getting to play and be creative and do something I was excited about. And I found myself over time spending more time thinking about my photography business and thinking about ways I could grow my business and different sessions I could do and creative ways I could create, you know, these beautiful images. And I was spending more time doing that than I was focusing on lesson plans or creating curriculum or my schoolwork. And so it started to kind of, I could see a a shift in the balance of things. And I did the crazy thing back in 2017. I put in my resignation at my school, um, like crying the entire time. I remember walking into my principal's office, just like already in tears. And she was like, I knew this day was coming. I'm prepared for it. Let's sit down and talk. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, she just, we, I mean, she was amazing and we'd had conversations and she had seen me you know, my business grow and become successful. I'd taken pictures of her family almost every year since I worked there. So she knew, and she knew that I was, I'd had my second daughter and I was like, had this craving to spend more time with my kids. And she had stayed home as a, um, when her kids were younger too. And so she was really like, this is the time to do it. And she's like, she told me, if you ever need anything, no matter where I am in my career, you call me and I will have something for you. That's so awesome. it, yeah, it really helped kind of soften the blow because I was, I was walking away from a job that I really enjoyed. It was the first time in my teaching career that I was like, this is my happy place. And to mm-hmm. walk away from that seemed so counterintuitive, Yeah, but I did it and I never looked back and it was the best decision. Um, my business, I mean, it just, I don't even want to say if it tripled, quadrupled. I mean, it went crazy because I had all this extra time to devote to it. And it's been such an amazing blessing for our family with the time I get to spend with my kids and then just getting to do something that I really, really love. And then it's led to so many other doors opening and all kinds of things, including the podcast that I have. And 
the Girl Means Business site and helping other women now growing their business, that kind of came out of this organic need that other people around me within my communities and online communities that I was in asking me like, well, how did you quit your job? What did you do? What are you doing in your business? And just start seeing the need there for support and encouragement and, and being able to, as an elementary teacher, kind of put things into tangible terms. I think that's helped because you go look online, there's a lot of business education that's kind of confusing and there's jargon that people don't understand Mm -hmm. when you're first starting out. And so the fact that I've spent, you know, 14 years of my life talking to eight-year-olds, like, right? <laughs> I know how to kind of bring things down to a level that it's a little more understandable. And I think that's a gift that I have that's helped me help other people succeed in their business as well. So it's been really, it's been a crazy winding journey and it changes it. all the time, but it's been, it's been amazing. But you embrace the change and that's I what do. I love. Yeah. Like you are excited about it. You're not like, Oh my God, another change. Like, like you totally embrace it. How did you choose the name girl means business? (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear the story. (laughs) So I, I I honestly don't even remember completely. It's one of those things where like, it just kind of hit me one day, but I think I'd been trying to think of names and I was like, I don't even know. And I was, there was a group of other women that we would meet every couple of months and have like a little brunch. And I kind of told them I had this idea in the back of my mind. And I was like, I want to start a podcast and I want to kind of have this resource for other entrepreneurs. Cause you know, I've been helping people locally and I want to spread it even further. And one of the girls, she was like, you just amaze me. Like, girl, you just, you like, you mean business when you start doing things. I was like, Oh, girl means business. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I just kind of took that and I ran with it and it stuck and people, you know, it's one of those things like when you come up with a name for something, it's like naming your kid, like, yep. you know, you're going to be stuck with it for a while. And it's a little bit unnerving. You're like, Oh my gosh, what are people going to think of this? But people yep. seem to love it. So that's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Well, thank you. I love the name. I think I'm because there's always a story behind these names, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I think it's great. Do you just shoot digital or do you like to shoot film as well? I just shoot digital for client work. Um, I want to do more film just for fun. Um, I have not, I took a film class in college as an elective and I loved it, but I haven't really done much with film since then. And I feel like I would have to kind of start over again on the learning curve. So I've been playing around with it a little bit, but not enough that I would like feel comfortable using it for sessions yet. Yeah. It seems like it's like coming back. Like, yeah, it's becoming a trend. Yeah. And I'm like, is this going to stick? And it's shocking to me because most of the younger clients that we work with, it's like, they want, they want it all right now. They're like, Oh, I want to see it. I went, and it's like with film, like you got to wait. It's like not a like hop, skip it, a jump kind of. No, no. I think it's one of those nostalgia kind of things almost, you know, everything comes back around at some point. And you know, like I was joking with my daughter the other day, she's eight and she has troll dolls and scrunchies <laughs> and neon. And I'm like, I should have kept all this stuff from when I was a kid because those are all the things like she went through like yeah. a care bears phase. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like these are all things. So I kind of feel like it's one of those things that's coming back around that, you know, the younger generation thinks it's really kind of vintage and cool. Mm-hmm. And like, I know like Polaroids are back in style too. And 
So I don't know. We'll see if it lasts, but yeah. I'm not quite ready to jump on that bandwagon just yet fully. Yeah. It's kind of like I've walked into Target, which, you know, with quarantine, like I haven't been out much hardly at all, mm-hmm. only to the grocery store to like pick up my mom's groceries for her. And um, I'm like, what the hell are these stonewashed jeans? <laughs> and what the hell are these overalls? And what the uh-huh. hell is tie dye? And I'm like, oh my God, what happened during COVID? <laughs> I know. We oh. went back to the 80s and 90s. I swear we did. Like we Real. just, we reversed time. It, and it's I like crazy. The boodles were a thing for a while. Like last Christmas, uh-huh. I was at Target shopping, and I remember seeing like caboodles and scrunchies, and um, yeah, like there was even I think a, a yellow plaid outfit that was like from the Clueless movie. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "What is happening right now? This is nuts." <laughs> it's just yeah. If if the if the young kids now only knew back then, it's crazy. I know. Yeah. Um, Something that I know that you're really amazing at is connecting with your clients and letting them know who you are, how to make sure you click, how do you make sure, you know, that you like each other and you want to work with each other. What are things that you look for? Um, So if our listeners are meeting with new couples to work with them or on if they're meeting with coaching clients, like what, cause I feel like sometimes like I have people perceive they're like, Oh my God, some of your clients are so nosy. They ask you so many personal questions. I'm like, no, they're not nosy. Like they just care. Like that's just their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but when is, when is like enough? And then like, when is it like too much to give your, your potential clients like TMI, like too much information? What are your thoughts? Yeah. It's a fine line, I think, because I'm a big believer in a couple of things. One is really know who your client is, because I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of new entrepreneurs make is they try to cater to everybody. Me. And (laughs) yeah, it was me completely. Absolutely. When I started my photography business, I was like, anybody that will pay me money, I will point my camera at you. you Um, And it doesn't always work out very well. And so once I really like niche down to like who she is, like I even have, I mean, she has a name, she has a face, she has a full on like bio, a description. Like I know her likes, I know her interests, I know what drives her and what her pain points are. And so when I am pretty much everything I do in my business, the images I choose to share on social media, the captions I post, the emails I send, uh, the way that I've structured like my welcome guides and by like welcome emails for my clients. All of that is with her in mind. And she's very much, I mean, my ideal client is very similar to me. And so the way that I speak to her through all of my interactions with her, even if it's like I said, social media, Instagram stories, all that kind of stuff. It's very much connecting with her on a level where she's going, Oh my gosh, she's speaking to me. Like we've all had that moment where we see someone's Instagram post or their story or their Facebook, whatever. And we're like, Oh my gosh, that could have been said directly to me. Like I want my ideal client to read my captions and see my images and hear my voice and go, she's talking to me. And it feels like talking to a friend. And Mm -hmm. so I talk about things that are relevant to my ideal client. And so for example, with, um, my like a boudoir clients, 
their moms. They're women who are, you know, wanting to feel good about themselves. Women who are struggling to kind of recapture who they were before they became a wife, before they became a mom, before they became, you know, a career woman or, or whatever that path may be for them. And so I speak to that and I talk about my own struggles with motherhood. I talk about my own struggles with my body image. I talk about, you know, my insecurities and all those things, but there's definitely a line of like, I'm willing to share up to this point. Right. And then once I hit that point, I'm like, okay, but the rest of this has to be for just for me. Like you have to hold something sacred. So like, I don't talk a ton about my husband. I don't really put him out on social media. He has his own career and he's got, he's very kind of private in his career as far as like putting himself out on social media. And I respect that. And the same thing with like, I do share about my kids and I do share their images from time to time. I talk about the things that we do because that's my day-to-day life. Yeah. But I am not going to put so much out there that it feels like overshare. Um, Gotcha. I don't know. It's definitely a balance and you have to kind of walk this line of what is okay to share and what's not. Like there's one girl I follow who I adore and she is a, another kind of business coach. And she's been talking a lot about her weight loss journey, even like posting before and after pictures and is it's super inspiring. But then there's another part of me that's like, but I didn't really come here to get weight loss advice from you. I came right. here to get business advice. <laughs> so right. also keeping it kind of in your lane, but being okay, kind of going over the sides a little bit. Gotcha. So it's like, get clear on your message, mm-hmm. make sure you have clarity. And then if you build an audience around that, it's almost, it almost sounds like, um, which we've, we've gone through this as well, because for a long time we had an audience that was just in weddings, like only people that were getting married, couples getting married, um, and people in the business who were only doing weddings. Then as I started to really push productivity, we notice like this huge shift. And so everything, our sales funnels, I'm, I, had, I pulled the websites apart because it's just a completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. Like the way I'm going to talk to my business partner on a new venture that we're doing versus the way I'm going to talk to my mother or my sister, like it's a different conversation. Not that I can't intertwine them all, but it's like, my mom doesn't really care <laughs> about like <laughs> what I'm doing day to day in my business. I mean, she probably yeah. actually does care, but um, you know, it's just, you really have to think about like, what is the conversation? In fact, yesterday I had a client send me a article about how this product is for millennials. And he's like, I really want us to start marketing towards millennials. And I'm like, okay, but your website doesn't talk to millennials. (laughs) Like I'm confused. (laughs) I'm like, that's completely different copy. Mm -hmm. That's different. There's so many changes or like we can build a strategy and a funnel and a landing page just for millennials. And like, there's ways that you can target that because Facebook is so lovely when it comes to, and you know, when you, when I say some of the things out loud, I'm like, oh my God, that's really creepy and manipulative. (laughs) And then other times as a marketer, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Exactly. Um, But it's like, they've kind of tricked people 
um, into thinking like, oh, be my friend, like this page, be authentic, blah, blah, blah. So then we can turn around and advertise the shit out of everything to you. <laughs> but it's very targeted. And like, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, you know, it could be a good thing. And so it's just in, you know, how, how you know to use those things. But most of the world, what I'm realizing is like, they don't understand customization of copy and they don't understand how to create conversation for one type of client and either stick with that client or build different conversations for your different audience. It's key. It, it's yeah. like the most important thing. It's key. Well, and I realized this recently in my photography business, I am in the process of kind of through all this COVID and everything, I, I've started really figuring out like, what do I want to focus on in my photography business? And for the longest time I've been, and I niched down pretty early in my business and I was doing um, weddings, boudoir, and I was doing high school seniors, all women. Like I did, I never, very rarely would I do high school guys. I never showed them on my website or anything. It was all women, all um, females. Mm -hmm. And I have slowly kind of phased out the seniors and I've started doing more like branding sessions for entrepreneurs, headshots, things like that. And then I've really recently realized too, like I am going to eventually kind of phase out my weddings and just focus on boudoir and branding, mm -hmm. uh, which are, which might seem like two very different genres, but they really yeah. speak to the same person. And one of the reasons I did this and, I, and it started like about a year ago because I did, I realized I was like, okay, weddings and boudoir, most people think they go hand in hand. Like, well, most brides are going to, you know, a lot of them want to do boudoir sessions before they go, you know, as a wedding gift for their groom. But I was finding that my boudoir clients were not my brides. My boudoir clients, like I said, were the, was the mom in her thirties who mm -hmm. wants to feel beautiful again. Yep. And I, it was hard for me to talk to her and talk to the bride on my social media account because I, I felt like I was constantly talking to two totally different people. And so I separated my accounts. I had my Paisley Lane photography, which became all weddings. And then I had my Paisley Lane boudoir, which became all boudoir. And ultimately I've recombined them now because I, like I said, I'm kind of leaning to phase out weddings and just focus on boudoir. But when I separated those and was able to really speak to that one person, it was so much more powerful mm -hmm. because people would come to my Instagram page or come to that landing page of my website because of the photos, because of what they were hoping to get out of it. But then they would stay because of the connection that they built with me through what I was able to say to them and how I was able to speak to them directly instead of just kind of this sort of vague general idea of like what I can offer. I was able to say, look, if you are planning a wedding and you're, you know, I was very specific on like what type of wedding and which venues I really shoot at a lot and the style and the vision, you know, if you're looking for elegance and grace and a little bit of fun thrown in like this, you know, and I could speak to that where I have other photographer friends who are really into like the real intimate, almost elopement style weddings. And they really like the dark and the moody and they speak to that. And mm -hmm. I was like, I want my audience, I want my bride to come to my website or come to my Instagram page or my Facebook page and either immediately feel a connection or immediately go, this is not the photographer for me. Yep. Yep. And I've started doing that in the girl means business part as well. Just knowing, you know, who my audience is there 
and speaking to the fact that, yeah, I speak mostly to moms, you know, to women who are running a business and raising kids. But I also know that there's a lot of people in there that in my groups and that listen to my podcast that aren't moms, mm-hmm. but they, they still connect with me in some other fashion, some other, whether it's because I was able to leave my nine to five and, and they want to do the same thing or because of the photography background or because of just my personality, whatever it could be, they're finding those connections, even though my message is geared towards one specific person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's so important. Do you feel like as you're customizing all of this, do you feel like it builds a level of trust before you ever even talk to the potential client? Like how do you build that trust before they're going to meet with you, talk to you, hire you? And then throughout the relationship, how do you maintain trust? And really, you know, with your clients that you are shooting and then your, your clients that you're educating as well. Yeah. So I think with the trust part, you know, I talk a lot about on my podcast and on my website, like the no, the no like and trust. So no, obviously they know who you are. They're aware of you. They like you. They, whether it's because they like your product or service, they like what you're offering, but the trust is where they really start to think about working with you. And I always kind of give it this comparison. I'll use the photography side of it. So if there are two photographers that are on the surface, the exact same. So they shoot the same thing, same style, same results. They offer the same products within their packages, same price point, everything. The difference between them is one of them is kind of this faceless brand, you know, like they're just the pretty pictures. They're just the pretty words. They're just very much like separating themselves from their business. The second photographer is, this is who I am. I'm going to talk to you. I may have a video on my website where you get to see my face. You get to hear my voice. You get to connect with me. You're making eye contact with me through the screen. Mm -hmm. You know, I am going to personalize my messages to you. I'm going to make sure that you feel like you are my one and only client. And that is what's going to set you apart from the other one is having that connection. And so some of the ways you can do that, like I mentioned, one is the video I have on my website. When they go to my photography site, there's kind of a landing page. And like if they choose or looking for a wedding photographer, a video pops up the first thing on the wedding homepage. And it's a video of me introducing myself and kind of walking them through like where to find things on the website, what they can expect and how to get in touch with me. It's just a short little like 30, 40 second video. But I think that connection that they have, it gives, it builds trust because they see that I'm, I'm a human, I'm a person, I'm someone that is going to be a connection point for them. Like, I'm not just going to be some random face behind a camera. I'm going to be someone who is there to help them throughout the process of their session, their wedding, whatever it might be. And same thing with like the podcast. I think that's one of the biggest things is that and that's why I love podcasts so much is that you feel like you get to know the person. There's something about hearing someone's voice and feeling like you matter to them. Yeah. So even through the podcast, like us having this conversation, someone listening to this is going to feel like they know us more because yeah. they've heard the inflection in our voice. They've heard, you know, our, the tone they've, they've heard our conversation back and forth and the banter and the, the, all those things are going to help them trust us more because 
they feel connected to us. And so finding yeah. ways to, to add those little touch points along the way. So whether that is building connection and trust on your social media platforms, that's usually where it starts. Mm-hmm. That's the first place people find you or on your website and both, but social media, I feel like is more day to day. And so they get a little bit of the behind the scenes into your, who you are and your life and what you do and behind the scenes of your business. And like, I love Instagram stories because it allows me to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit Yeah, <laughs> and being, and, and I think too, being willing to say like, not everything is going to be perfect. Not everything looks perfect. Like not everything goes as planned and we all have bad days and I'm struggling. Like I posted on my Instagram feed, I don't know, a week or so ago, I was like, uh, it was basically me talking to the camera almost in tears. I was like, I'm struggling. Like right now having two kids at home and not being able to get out of the house very much. And my house is a mess and my business is falling. I'm like, I am struggling. And I just put that and I got so many people responding to me with that saying like, I feel you, I'm right there with you, or you've got this, you're doing great. You know, and those are the little things that might not seem like they make a big difference, but they really make a big difference when it comes to somebody going, I trust her because I see who she is really, as opposed to just the pretty picture she wants me to see in the front of her business. Yeah. It's so, that is so, 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 so true. Like whenever um, social media, so social media didn't exist when I started my business. (laughs) And so when it started to come out, like I just showed everything that was perfect because that's what I thought people wanted yeah. to see. Like I kind of made it up in my head. Um, or at least that's what I like to put out. I like to put out a finished, perfect, polished product. And if the chairs weren't straight, if the linens weren't <laughs> uh, steamed first, I'm like, ah, nope, we're not using that picture. And I was just so like magazine perfect and everything had to be perfect. And then like, you know, I, I kind of uh, got older, more life experience, shit happens. And then you just kind of like, you're like, you know what? Um, I'm so tired of people thinking that everything is so perfect. And I kept like hearing that consistently through like our interns that would come on and they would like spend some time with us. And then at the end, you know, we, we always do an exit interview and we're like, what did you think? And blah, blah, blah. They're like, this is hard. Like, I thought this was going to be like, uh, so fun and easy. And I'm like, you've been watching too much freaking TV. <laughs> so I'm like, it is hard, but it's very rewarding. And, um, so it kind of opened my eyes to see that like, I'm putting out this fake shit that like everything is perfect and it's like fairies and glitter dust. And, you know, we try to make things perfect, but behind the scenes, it's like, we're running a business. We have 10 hours to transform a space into a completely different look for somebody's event or somebody's wedding or or a, a brand activation party or something. Like people have no idea if you stop and think like how stressful it is sometimes. Yeah. And so when, uh, when snap, I never got involved in Snapchat, but when stories came out and my brand manager was like, you need to do these story things. I'm like, and Facebook live, when that first came out, he's like, you got to do this. I'm like, I don't even have time to pee. Like (laughs) I don't have time to do this shit behind BTS scenes. And I'm just like, whatever. And then I started doing it. And much like you were just saying, people started commenting. They were like, Oh my God, you, that went from that to that. Like that's a, and people started to engage now, like on Instagram, our stories are our highest engagement 
but, but I wasn't getting it. I I didn't realize like, oh, it creates kind of FOMO because it it disappears, you know, if you don't highlight it. And like, I was still thinking like, this is so stupid. Like why did the shit disappears? Like, (laughs) yeah, but I get it now, but it took a little bit of time for me to understand the value of letting people in. And it is kind of fun. Like whenever I'm at conferences or if I'm like working in a booth, Um, or recently, like I was going, I was speaking right before all this COVID stuff hit and, um, I was the last speaker and I was just sitting over at a table kind of like by myself. Cause I was like trying to get work done before I had to go up and talk. And so I was the last speaker of the day and I came up and then people afterwards, they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was you sitting over there. They're like, you're so short. (laughs) They're like, I thought you were taller. I'm like, no, I am almost a midget. I'm five foot. And if I don't have on heels, you know, I I think I was like in tennis shoes or something because I'd hurt my foot. And um, they're like, oh my God, I know your voice from your podcast. (laughs) And then the other morning we had like this little um, bartending party with this group, this Zoom group that I'm in. And I'm like, well, shoot, I need to like go get some tequila or something. So 8 a.m. I'm at the liquor store um, (laughs) in kind of pajama because it's the only time I had. I started meetings at 9 a.m. and I went through like all day till 6 p.m. till the Zoom. And so I'm like halfway in pajamas, my hair's wet because I just got out of the shower. And I like go in and I ask the guy, I'm like, do you guys have Azul tequila? And he, I guess like not a lot of people ask for that, but it's like a very specific tequila that I really like. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, your voice sounds so familiar. And he's like, what's your name? I'm like, Angelo Private. He's like, oh my God, I just listened to your podcast about tax reductions. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed. You can't even go to the liquor store without and being recognized. At eight o'clock in the morning. Eight like, in the morning. seriously. That's funny. He died laughing. And I was like, well, at least you're like in this big funky mask. He like had like the N95 mask. And um, he's like, you're out early this morning. Cause see, I talk about it on my podcast all the time. Like I'm not a morning person. I don't like it. And I don't like working super early in the morning. Cause I like working late at night. Me too. And I'm like, yep. yeah, but I've got meetings back to back. And it's kind of like he knew my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little unnerving sometimes. I will say like, yeah. I've had that happen too, where people like, I feel guilty not knowing them because they know me. Yeah. And they, but it, it's because they've, they feel like they have this relationship with me from listening to the podcast or seeing mm-hmm. me on social media. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so crazy. But what's funny is, so I, when I really started kind of diving into the, cause I was, I took a little convincing to get on board with the stories too. Like I didn't get into Snapchat. Yeah. I didn't understand it. To me, Snapchat was just people sending inappropriate photos they didn't want other people yep. to see. Yep. And I was like, I don't, my business has nothing to do with that. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And so when Instagram stories came around, I was like, I just don't get it. And then I started looking at what people were doing and I was like, yeah, but who wants to see what I'm doing? Like, who cares what I do behind the scenes or who mm-hmm. cares what a photo shoot looks like or how I edit my pictures or what I do on the weekend? But again, like you said, once I started getting into it, that's when the engagement goes up. And I can see like, when I, like, I haven't posted to my stories in a couple of days just because we had Father's Day and it's been raining. So we haven't really done a whole lot. We haven't been outside. And I've just kind of took a couple of days to be lazy. And I was like, well, I'm not going to really, you know, I mean, I could post a picture of like me in my pajamas, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> and I was like, but my engagement has kind of gone down. And once I start posting in my stories again, it'll go back up. Yeah. But I also have started taking stock of like, what do I 
look for and what do I like appreciate in other people's or not appreciate? What do I not like in other people's content? And going Mm -hmm. back to the idea of everything being perfect, there was this, I don't even know if you call, I guess an influencer that I followed for on Instagram for a while. And I don't even know why I followed her. I think at one point I was hoping she's in the, in the Dallas area. And I was hoping we could like connect and do a session together Yeah, and she's beautiful. She's young. She's got three adorable kids and every photo she posts is like this perfectly posed picture of her and her kids. They're all in matching outfits and they're mm-hmm. sitting either in front of their beautiful house or in their like immaculate kitchen or on some yep. amazing vacation. And even her stories are like that. Like her stories are these perfectly planned out, well-designed graphics. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to unfollow her because Mm -hmm. I just, I'm not getting anything from this and I don't feel a connection with her. And I don't understand, you know, like what the purpose is behind her. Like, I mean, I know she's trying to sell products occasionally, but the perfection drives me nuts. Like I want to see the messy. I want to see the not so great. And that's what makes me want to follow somebody. And that's what I'm trying to like tune into when I get on social media is what, and the first thing I do when I get on Instagram is I go through the stories. Like I don't even scroll through the post. I just go right to the stories. And so if I know I'm doing that, I know other people are doing that too. Yep. Yep. Totally. Like we haven't, I feel like, um, when COVID started, like things aren't interesting anymore. (laughs) And so, you know, I mean, we used to be on stories every day, all the time. Like, I mean, I was going places and I was Mm -hmm. in meetings and I was doing something different every two hours. And so then it's like, okay, I'm on zoom for 10 hours. I'm on Mm -hmm. zoom for 10 hours. I'm on zoom for 12 hours. Um, (laughs) You know? And so then it's like several people reached out. They're like, are you okay? I haven't seen you at all on social. I'm like, I'm great. I'm fine. Like we're so busy. Um, like helping people with e-commerce and like you met, which I want to ask you about email marketing too and your thoughts, but it's like, we got so busy so quick doing things that we do for our business anyway, but I never thought about offering it as, as a service line ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but then I learned very quickly that people really need help and they're paying these agencies crazy money like five to 10 grand a month. And they're not explaining to them what their ROI, like it just, it was, it made me sick. And so they're like, you know, you should really post a few things on your stories to let people know you're alive and you're okay. And I'm like, well, shit, I didn't know it was, (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. Um, but just like you said, whenever I start, you know, posting again, it really, the engagement goes up. And then like, you know, I actually kind of force myself to cook a little bit because I don't cook at all. But during quarantine, I'm like, well, I'm at home. I need to mm-hmm. do something different than just work all day. And normally like the grocery store, like I order a lot just because I'm busy and I just don't have time. And so I'm like, I'm going to take the time and I'll watch some YouTube videos. And so we make some like <laughs> funny content and like we've gotten more like views on that than like on, on a lot of our other stuff, because I guess people are interested in cooking. Like, I don't know. I suck at it. So I guess they're like laughing, (laughs) you know, at me, not with me because I'm like, okay, I'm just learning how to scramble eggs. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, but there's the time for everything. Oh yeah. 
you know, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, but I know you're a master like email marketer. So <laughs> like, what are some of your favorite tools for people that are listening who are trying to build a funnel or get into email marketing? And that's one question. The next one, like, do you think it's going away? And do you feel that um, like the text marketing and the Facebook messenger marketing are really starting to like slide in to take over email marketing? So I'll start with that question because I have some strong feelings about this. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't think email marketing is going away anytime soon. Um, it's kind of like when people, I hear people say like, oh, the post office is going to eventually be non-existent. I'm like, well, no, we still have to get junk mail delivered to us and we still have to get our water bill in the mail. You know I mean? Like it's not going anywhere. Like, I mean, right. people, first of all, are getting more packages delivered now, even though it's like UPS and FedEx, but the post office too than ever before because of online shopping and things like that. And so, um, in fact, I'm sitting here in my office, which faces out the front of my house and we just had the UPS truck drop off three boxes on our front porch. So, um, like yeah. <laughs> the mail, like that's how I feel about email marketing is mm -hmm. people keep saying like, Oh, it's dying. I'm like, no, how, how often do you check your email on a daily basis? Even if you don't have a business, even if you are just checking your personal account, most people check their email at least twice a day, minimum. A lot of people, that's the first thing they do in the morning is they check email and social media mm -hmm. and then they'll do it again in the evening. And I, I just don't see it going anywhere. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of text marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like to me, I know texting still feels a little personal to me. me it too. still feels a little too invasive for me to like just mm -hmm. pop up on their screen on their phone. Yep. And so in the same way with Facebook marketing, I, for whatever reason, and maybe because I've had so many, you know, MLM, no offense to MLM businesses, but I've had so many people like try to market to me in these kind of shady, sketchy ways uh -huh. that social or um, like Instagram and Facebook messenger marketing it just feels very off-putting mm -hmm. to me. Email marketing is a little bit more um, gentle, I guess yeah. is a way it's to put more it. Accepted too. It's more accepted for sure. And I feel like that you have kind of this, it, it feels less, I don't want to say less urgent, but I feel like when someone, if I receive like a text message from my business, then I almost feel like they're, they're like right in my face. I need to do something about it. Same thing with messenger. If I get a messenger notification from a business, I'm like, Oh, do I need to do something with this right now? Like what's happening? Like the other day, my dentist texted me to remind me of an appointment, which is fine. But I'm like, Oh, I need to like reply right now. Whereas, and to me that just feels so like pushy yeah. where with email, it's like, Hey, I'm here. You let me know when you're ready to get back to me. Right. And I just, I like the feeling of kind of being this two way conversation where, you know, at the end of every email I send out, I always kind of have this call to action of like, Hey, reply to this and let me know what you think. Or if you have questions, let me know, or I want to know your thoughts on this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I will have people that will respond to those, you know, those hit reply and they'll send me a message and we'll start this back and forth conversation. And it's, it's kind of like the next step I feel like to social media, like social media is the cocktail party where you meet the people mm -hmm. and email marketing is kind of like that one-on-one -on -one coffee date that you have where you sort of get a little deeper into the conversation. And I just, I love it. I think it's a really fun way to 
you know, on social media, you kind of post these little snippets of information and on email, you can go a little bit deeper. You can go, um, get deeper into a certain topic. You can Mm -hmm. have like a series of emails that kind of covers steps of something or process of something. And I don't know. I, I just, I'm really a big fan. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel the same way. I had a client ask me yesterday, she's like, do you think that we should sign up for this? Or I'm like, well, first off, look at your age range of your audience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like the younger, when I say younger, I mean like under 27, 28, they would, they actually prefer and they sign up for text instead of email. So I'm like, if you ask people and they give you their information knowingly that they're signing up for text, Mm -hmm. then I think that's fine. Um, So one of our clients is a women's clothing store that I would say like their ideal target audience is like 21 to like, I don't know, 27, 28. And most of their marketing is all through text message, but that's what those girls are signing up for. So you know, going back to like knowing your target audience is so, 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 so important. Uh, Do you have like a favorite um, tool to like build your funnels in? So I've used a few. Um, Like most people, probably I started off with MailChimp that was free. Uh Yep. I very quickly realized that was not, and they've changed a lot since I've been with them, but I realized really quickly for me, it was not the best platform. So I switched to ConvertKit. Mm -hmm. And I loved ConvertKit. I was able to create landing pages and do all these things. But, and that was all for my photography business. The problem Mm -hmm. I felt with ConvertKit is it, it didn't have the um, appearance that I wanted. I don't feel like it didn't match my brand. Um, I had a hard time. Like I was having to customize all these different things. And while it worked just fine, like I just wanted something that was a little bit prettier because I'm such a visual brand And so I recently switched to Flowdesk and I, you, did you? No, no, no. I've had clients that that have asked me about it, but I haven't. Do you love it? I do. I love it. I've been with them for about six months and I, I mean, they're still in their like kind of early stages. There's a lot of things that are still coming in the future and they're learning from their clients they have now, which I kind of enjoy being on that ground floor process. And visually it's really appealing. Um, it's mobile friendly and all that as well, but it's very simplistic. I, you know, my brain, again, going back to the fact that I was an elementary teacher, I work in really simplistic ways. Like I don't like things to be overcomplicated. And so I wanted a system that was very, um, streamlined and that didn't have so many bells and whistles that I didn't need that, that it became overwhelming. And I felt like convert kit kind of was that way for me. Like it was almost too much for what I needed it for. And Flowdesk has been really simple. It's easy to, to automate and easy to do all these things. Like I have tons of automations in place. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. So that's where I tend to kind of point people. But again, I always say you have to know what you're wanting out of your system. If you're wanting this really robust program, that's going to have tons and tons of features and ways to do different funnels and things like that, then you need to go with something like Entreport, ConvertKit, um, ActiveCampaign, those kinds of things. If you're looking for, if you're starting out, you're new to this, or, you know, maybe you just want something that's a little bit more sleek and a little more simplified, then you could do like a MailChimp or a Flowdesk or 
Um, mm-hmm. Any of those, I think there's other ones I can't think of right now, but I think you have to really know what it is you're wanting to get out of the system before you decide what the system is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I will definitely have to check it out. I mean, we're right now, like we're still with Infusionsoft. We have been for years. I feel like I'm so in bed with them. Mm-hmm. But then we also have, um, we work in HubSpot and, you know, there's Salesforce and we do have some clients still on MailChimp and, um, and which they have come a long way that they weren't my favorite though. Yeah. Um, and you know, now we have people exploring drip and like, there's a few others that, um, I have, have had someone using convert kit and, but like you said, it's all about like, what are your needs? So mm-hmm. definitely identifying those. Well, well, with the girl means business side of it, I actually use Kajabi. And yeah. so oh my God, I love Kajabi. I love Kajabi, yes. but I needed something that was all in one because yes. I have, I want the website. I want the email marketing. I'm creating a membership program. Like I wanted it to have all of that in one place. Now, if someone is like, Oh, I've got the website. I just need email marketing. Kajabi is going to have too many bells and whistles for you because yeah. it has too many features that you don't need for the price. But if you're wanting an all in one, like that's what I needed for the podcast site. And that's Kajabi has been perfect for that. I do. I love Kajabi. It's so easy on the back end and it's oh, really so nice. amazing on the front end, like for the courses and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> I kind of like forget sometimes because I know I like so many. <laughs> yes. Yes. So many. Um, well, I could talk your ear off about this all day long, but we're <laughs> out of time, unfortunately. So where can people connect with you if they, I mean, obviously they can go to girl means business guys, go check out the podcast be a subscriber. You'll get to learn all kinds of awesome things, but where can they connect with you? I'm assuming Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Instagram is my number one. I love, love, love Instagram. So I'm at girl means business. And then my photography is Paisley lane photography. It's P A I S L E Y. And then lane is L A Y N E photography. Love um, it. and then same thing on Facebook. I do a Facebook group for the girl means business where it's a little more spe- um, specific to the podcast and kind of talks about more of like goes into depth about what each week's episode's about. Um, and then like you said, the website, you can go to girlmeansbusiness.com and it kind of has, that's the home base for everything. So you can find links to the podcast, to my resource with tons of free downloads for you. Um, I've got links to some of the favorite platforms like Flowdesk and things like that, that I use. And then, um, uh, you can check out all my social media sites from there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so cool. And everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to another episode. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, Just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders and be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled and you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. 
You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.